Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canadian Sport Institute Pacific's Podium Cast podcast. In this podcast, we explore cutting edge ideas, gain valuable insights, and dive into athletes' journeys from the world of high performance sport. Hello, everybody. My name is Kendra Stoner, and I'm so excited for today's guest. Today, I have with me the CEO of Endure Apparel, the legendary performance sock lifestyle brand, five-time member of the Canadian mountain bike team, and the sponsor of our podium cast, Rob Fraser. Rob Fraser is the founder and CEO of Endure, an athletic-like lifestyle brand that elevates performance socks by fusing expressive designs with technical features. As a five-time member of the Canadian mountain bike team, Rob's competitive nature has fueled his entrepreneurial spirit and provided a unique framework for building a business. From humble beginnings working out of a basement in 2016, Rob bootstrapped Endure to seven-figure revenue by assembling a world-class team with its headquarters in the beautiful Victoria, British Columbia. With an unwavering focus on performance, design, and community, Endure has emerged as an innovative leader in the athletic industry. In recognition of their rapid growth, Endure was named one of Douglas Magazine's top 10 to watch businesses and earned a spot on season 13 of CBC's Dragon's Den. Aligned with Endure's mission, Rob believes in fostering a culture for those who continually move forward in pursuit of their goals without giving up. Rob, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to dive into your transition out of sport, into business and entrepreneurship, the world of sponsorship and anything else we decide to dive into today. Very happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. That was a fantastic intro and I'll do my best to make sure it's not all downhill from there. Nice. Yeah, you should have seen my hand <laughs> gestures as I was reading. I was getting pretty into it. <laughs> oh, no? I think that's half the battle. Right? Yeah. No, it's a it's a sweet resume you got going, Rob. I'm, I'm so stoked we've been able to connect as I started working for Canadian Sport Institute since the beginning. We've kind of had that great relationship and you used to work for CSI too, hey? Yes. Um... When I was back at Camosun College and Sport Management Program, I did uh, I think nearly nearly a year in the talent development area at CSI. So oh. it's kind of come full circle now that uh, we've started enduring or in partnership with you guys, giving uh, obviously sponsoring the podcast and working yeah. with giving your your athletes and staff some discounts on products. And oh, it's yeah. it's really cool to uh, see how these relationships move through time. Oh my gosh, it's so fun building these relationships. I love our partnership. And I was just at the beach the other day and this guy comes down the stairs and he's got Endure socks on. And I go, hey, are those Endure socks? He goes, yeah. I'm like, I love those guys. They're so comfy. He's like, yeah, these are my favorite socks. I'm like, yeah, they are. <laughs> I love it. I love to hear that. It's, I, I was actually sitting outside of a Starbucks yesterday and uh, I had an Endure hat on. And someone I, I don't know just kind of walk by, stops, pulls up his pant leg, and shows me his socks. I love these things. And like, this is, uh, this is this, those moments are very cool. I try to obviously appreciate them yeah. uh, every time it happens. Yeah, I think that's kind of when you know you've made it in some capacity. You know, you feel you feel accomplished. I love that's that. That's definitely one of the like 
the first moments as an entrepreneur if like I know we're, we're just gonna start here but like as you mm-hmm. create a product like the moment where you see someone that you don't know wearing mm. it is kind of the, like oh wow this is cool the aha um, moment up in, yeah because up until then it's just your friends and your family and they're supporting you and it's cool yeah. to see it in the wild but then you kind of come across someone that you have no idea and yeah. they've you know found their way to your website purchased the product they're oh. wearing it mm-hmm. and you're like wow like thank you <laughs> you're not doing this because you think i'm a cool guy you're doing this because like i created this <laughs> yeah exactly you're not doing it because you have to you yeah <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> yeah yeah biggest awesome. fan well first question yeah totally biggest fan t-shirt too <laughs> my yeah. first question i have to ask is what was it like going on dragon's den so it was it was like i, I don't know i guess if you're like a new entrepreneur it was it was a huge goal like, i grew up I think like most Canadians, like it, it's kind of mainstream that show, given that it is about business, they've kind of found a way to speak to the masses. And so I had watched, oh gosh, probably from season one. So by the time we went on it, which was season 13, I had been watching Dragon's Den for upwards of 10 years. So I was, you know, when I started and the business was starting to get some traction. And then, you know, we found out that they were doing, um, a road show. So before each season, the producers will go around to major cities around Canada and have open auditions for pitches. And um, only a few days before they came to Victoria, we found out about that. I was like, well, what do we have to lose? Let's, let's give it a go. So we showed up. It was at a hotel downtown Victoria, and we gave a five-minute sort of elevator pitch. Um, and we got a call two weeks later that we were going to be welcomed onto the show. And that was just kind of like a another one of those you know we talked about earlier about seeing someone for the first time that uh is wearing the socks this was kind of like a uh, another moment where it's like pinch me you know we're going to be on dragons and this is super cool it's going to be on on tv etc and i kind of equate it to like in my past sporting career of kind of like the milestones you would achieve and one of the big ones i did as an athlete was making the national team so it's like mm. i i equated this dragons then to kind of being on the, the national stage of business you know it's on tv it's a national broadcast and yeah. uh, it was just a cool opportunity to like perform you know like it was it, it truly was like a sporting event because we had to do an extreme amount of preparation um, we had to rehearse you had to get in the zone because uh, there's a lot of things that we can unpack this question like a brief overview but there's like a lot of things that the average person wouldn't know about dragon sense so like when you show up there um, to film you've never been on set you don't get to meet the dragons beforehand and the first time you actually enter the den you're on the air and there's no redos there's nothing so it's a high pressure situation you're out, you're also there answering and fielding questions for about 45 minutes. So when you see an episode and it's like five to eight minutes long, mm-hmm. um, that's not how long you're out there. They, they edit it to make the best TV episode they can. Yeah. Um, but you're getting hammered with questions for 45 minutes. So it was a very, I'd say the biggest benefit of it was the level of preparation and deep diving into my business that we had to do um to just better understand who our market was what our goals were what we were looking for and it's funny to actually it's been a couple of years now since we filmed to look back at where we were at that point and kind of my you know where what i said we where we would be in a year or two it's uh it's changed quite a bit luckily exceeded a lot of the goals i was kind of saying as dreams in there but uh it's just kind of cool to reflect back on and one of those things where i'm like that was really cool that i've done it but it's 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 like anything in life that comes and goes. It was a huge accomplishment. And I look back on it with like a lot of fond memories. Um, it's on Netflix now. So I refer to it as my Netflix, my Netflix special, uh, which is, which is, which is funny and cool. And it lives on, you know, it's like, it was a yeah. huge accomplishment and yeah. it was uh, an honor 
And it's onwards and upwards now, right? Like that's yeah. kind of a resume thing. You can look back and be like, oh, I did that. And then upon reflection of Endure or just your life, you're like, wow, that that was a really cool experience. Yeah, it was one of those like validations, especially moving forward as well. Like, you know, if you're an athlete, for example, like when you're pitching, um, maybe a prospective um, sponsor, you know, you have different things you can call on. Oh, I made the national team or I, you know, was awarded this or that. So with um, business, Dragon's Den is one of those universal signifiers to maybe a client we're trying to land or customers that want validation. Be like, oh, they were on Dragon's Den. It gives you kind of that. Um, the customer, the ease of mind knowing like, hey, they must be semi-legit because they yeah. were on national TV. The so credential. Yeah, it was just yeah. validation. And yeah, to look back on the life resume, as as you could say, is like, it was a huge accomplishment. And that's generally speaking, like the, the main takeaway for me is like, it was just so exciting to be on there. That's so sweet. And it almost sounds like your preparatory phases of uh, creating your pitch and figuring out your why and your ask for Dragon's Den sounds a lot like practicing for a nationals you know like it's very sports oriented too there's so many transferable skills there oh it's insane like I refer to like this business as like my sport my second sport and I I call it the sport of business because there's so Mm -hmm. many they're like the mindset of being an athlete or being an entrepreneur is, is quite literally the same. You're in complete control and as much hard work as you, you give and as much preparation as you do. And it, even it comes down to, and this is a realization I only had this year is even eating right and exercising makes me better at business. It helps me think clearer. It helps me sleep better. It helps me be more energetic, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so many things that I learned in, in sport that are directly related to business and just the mindset and the ability to like you know as an athlete you basically live for one or two maybe three good moments a year and then other than that it's like generally suffering you know and training and and competition and injuries and like the life of an athlete is not glamorous um like all the time if if at all you know they live for that podium or the accolades maybe for a couple of weeks before you get back into intense training. And as with business, you live for like the small wins, but a lot of it is hard work and constant reading and learning. And you see these successful mm-hmm. either athletes or entrepreneurs in the media. And like, that's not the reality. It's like they're up at 6 a.m. just grinding, you know, like it's, um, it's there's a reason that they're at the top and it's it's not all fun, but it, it is worthwhile. And it's the mindset that that leads to that, too, because I wouldn't trade it in for anything else. Like it's that drive. And that's what drove me to business when I retired as an athlete. Like I needed something else to sink my teeth into and a traditional job wasn't doing it. And I was kind of aged out of, of competitive sport, in, at least in the sports I wanted to do, which were, you know, dangerous. Um, and, and a young, young guy's sport, even though I'm not even 30 yet, it's still the top people in the sport, which was downhill mountain biking that I was doing. Like they can be 17, 18, 19 years old. So um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of similarities for sure. Yeah, it almost sounds like, yes, you retired from the national team in sport, but the transition from sport, like out of sport, was sounds kind of similar. Like you had that like grit, you had that like determination to make it big in the business world. Like there was that huge commitment of needing to stay active to fuel your brain to help with your business. And I feel like as much as you did transition out of sport, it didn't really impact too much of like your lifestyle. Is that I'd say that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. And I think there's just a million things that sport teaches you that are transferable to, to business. And like, 
I approach it very similarly, like you said, and it's the transition, like the hardest part of kind of that transition was when I hadn't realized that I was going to start a business. So there was about a year of lag where like I had retired from sport and went back to school and sport management as I touched on. And that's where I was feeling very empty. I was like, you know, like I'd spent the, the past 10 years, the singular focus of trying to of being a professional athlete and trying to get to the next level um, and make like a lot long lasting career out of it. And, you know, I retired um, kind of at the height too, you know, the, the year I retired, I finished second in the country in the overall, it was just clear that given my age and where my career was going, especially in our sport of downhill mountain biking, it's, um, it's not government it's not like funded by the country very well it doesn't pay particularly well um there wasn't a lot of like long-term career longevity there so I had to make a hard choice and kind of pack it in while I was still in my prime competitive etc I was only 25 or 26 years old and doing well so that was tough to like walk away just because like the future wasn't there I need to kind of get on with with my life a little bit so that next year of you know what comes next of kind of losing a lot of what drove me every day and that was probably like the hardest period of my life honestly like I much welcome much more welcome like the early mornings and really hard days and stress etc the, but the feeling of not knowing what I'm getting up for or excited about is like torture mm, totally do you think that that was crucial for your transition though like do you think the sitting still and being able to reflect and really like plan and try and gain momentum into your next chapter like if do you think if you dove right into the business world after sport do you think it would have maybe not been as successful because you weren't able to like sit in that discomfort to be able to grow and learn what you did want no yeah I think you nailed it I think like that year of pain and, and unknowing was like it, it developed a lot of fuel. the underlying motivation and fuel and yeah. honestly like mission and vision of the brand that I ended mm. up building with Endure like quite literally the name came out of what I was going through. Like I was like at the time I was getting more involved in endurance sports just to, to, and I was racing some triathlons just to keep busy. Cause I was like, you know, I was had retired and I, I needed to keep being active and, and race and kind of fuel that small fire. So I was racing triathlons locally and I was loving the idea of transitioning more into endurance based sport. And um, so I liked the idea of endurance and like, I was kind of playing with the idea that like, you know, endurance is kind of like a crazy sport. It's like, it's really just, you just keep going, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's super mental, like the body, like, I think there's like a quote, it's like generally like once you think you're done, you're at 40%, the yeah. mind can take you like another 60, which is just insane. It's so true um, though. So, so yeah, it's very true. And so I, I really liked that idea. And so I was like playing around with the word. I was like, I also like the word endure and what it means, you know, the ability to keep moving forward without giving up. And what if we built a brand not about winning, but about showing up and about persevering and about getting through hardship. And so I think if I wasn't going through hardship, I never would have come to the realization and kind of a different approach to a brand language and, and vision that separated us. And at the same time, I think one of the most, you know, not, not one, in my opinion, one of the best ways to build a brand is to build it based on what you're going through. Cause like in the early days of starting a business, you know, you can't really guess at like who's going to buy your product or who's going to be a, you know, loyal to your brand. You, you got to start with an audience of one, which is yourself, and then come to the realization that there's probably millions of others like you. So if you're building a product or a brand and messaging for yourself, you will, you know, in turn motivate others like you. So that's kind of, you know, I went through the hardship and then built something that would help me out of it. Obviously, building the Endure brand got me busy again, got that fire started, 
but then also helping other people through the messaging and giving them some inspiration to, you know, keep moving forward. You'll find your way paths turn all the time. Like it also gave me a purpose. Nice. Where does just along those lines, like where does marketing kind of like fit in there? Like I love the idea of I'm not creating this for anyone else but myself because that's where I need to start. I need to really believe in this and be diehard for this company, for this idea, because you're the one that needs to sell it at the end of the day. Where does kind of marketing lay in, I guess, the startup of all of that? Yeah, it's a great question because I think that's a big area in which that we approached it differently. So like if you are building a brand based on, you know, your authentic goal or your own mission, paying to acquire customers in the early days doesn't make much sense because you don't really know how to target them. You don't know who they are, et cetera. And if you're building a brand that has such defined values in a certain type of person and market, et cetera, um, you want to find like-minded individuals to help share the message. So one of the, the key things we did in the early days, and one of the only marketing methods we did in the first one to two years, apart from organic social media and posting, et cetera, um, was developing a brand ambassador network. So, you know, I had been an athlete, obviously, and I had sponsors and I was a brand ambassador for different brands throughout my career, et cetera. And I wanted to right away start to help give back to these athletes. And so I thought, you know, let's provide athletes that are on the up and up. These are not professional athletes. These are athletes that are doing their best um, to make a name for themselves. Let's give them a discount on product. Let's give them a way to promote themselves in a platform. And the way we identify these athletes is we wanted to find literal living, breathing representations of the brand values. And we figured that if we give those people our product and we let them talk about it and share their story and their mission, it's organically going to talk about what our brand is, what our product is, et cetera. And by time that we need to, or by doing that and building that program over time, we started to create like an organic virality around the brand messaging and the product. Um, so that was kind of how we approached marketing in the early days to basically find people like myself and like, you know, others that came after, because obviously at a certain point, the brand needs to outgrow me. Um, and that's super important, I think, for founders or athletes, et cetera. Like you're like, especially if it's a brand for others, you know, this isn't my brand, it's not my socks, it's it's for other people. It needs to outgrow me. But in the early days, starting with an audience of one and then growing that into other people that you know, the early adopters and the innovators, as you would call it in like a marketing customer set. Um, and then you learn from them, you adapt, you grow with them. And it wasn't until like almost three years later that we started to actually, you know, pay for advertising because we didn't want to acquire customers that weren't authentically attracted to our brand. Totally. Finding those like-minded individuals and groups that are keen to jump on board with you kind of seems like you're building a team. Like in sports, you're doing the tryouts almost where it's like, okay, you qualify to be on our team. You've got the drive. You've got the motivation. You align with what our messaging is and what we want to get out of this program and this business and jump on board and we'll hook you up. You hook up us up. We'll start a community. Yeah, exactly. And community is a great word. Like that's what we've really fostered over the past four years. And we have um, like a private group online of which all our ambassadors are a part of. And it's, it's actually really cool. It's like our own little endure country. It's like they inspire mm -hmm. each other. They, they talk to each other. They post photos. It's, you know, we hop in and stir the pot now and again. It's, it's, it's really cool. And it, it's been carefully curated over time. So these individuals are very like-minded at the same time, very different in what they do in their day-to-day, -day, maybe their careers, their time of life they're in. 
but like-minded in the sense that they're on a you know continued path of just finding their best and persevering in, in the way to get there. Yeah, for sure. So how would you say marketing is like transferable to the world of high performance sport? Like how can athletes kind of use marketing to like help help themselves in their sporting career? I think it's everything in the digital age. Like results are important, but I think you'll see the most lucrative like sponsorship deals coming through people that have a big audience online. Um, because that's where the eyeballs are. Like, sure, people are going to look to the race winner and be like, oh, what shoes were they wearing? Oh, Nike, okay, cool. But like, there's going to be a million people or two million people following that same person online. I guarantee there's more people seeing that Instagram post than that race that that person just did or that competition, short of the Olympics. But there's a lot of restrictions around branding there anyways. So um, I'd say like marketing yourself and developing a personal brand is probably, should be at the top of your party list other than obviously training and being able to compete because like you know you could have a great following but you don't want to be a poser you actually want to be able to get out there and and win and compete and be be legit but i say like the transferable skills would be be around like finding what your niche is who are the who is the audience that you speak to who are you aiming to inspire so the younger generation older you know do you like who is your key like same like for injure we have our key demographic of people that buy our socks so if you're an athlete who is the key demographic of people that look to you for inspiration, that would look to you for what products to buy for their sport, et cetera. And then once you start to develop that audience and that way of speaking to them, then you can approach the sponsors that also want to talk to that customer. So they would use you as a microphone essentially, or use you as a way to broadcast the message. So for example, if I'm the athlete and I've got an audience of 20,000 people on Instagram that listen to what I say, now I have some leverage to now go approach a brand and be like, hey, Injure, in this case, you know, I've got an audience of 20,000 people. They're always asking me what gear I use for my cycling and my racing. I'd love to make a partnership with you and exclusively wear your products and offer my audience a discount to make my audience your customers. And there you've created like an organic cycle and obviously somewhat organic and then pay it on, on the sponsorship side, but um, of me driving my audience to the brand to make a purchase. Because in the end of the day, this is probably like a big misconception. I definitely had it in the early days as an athlete. You think that when you get results or an audience that you're just owed stuff that like, it's kind of like, it's like a medal, you know, like you, you win the race, you get a medal, you get the podium. Like that's what you earn. Sponsorship isn't necessarily earned or owed or anything. Like It's earned. Um, and you got to be able to communicate to the sponsors, understand what your leverage is, what you can use to, um, provide value to the sponsor because in the end of the day it's a business transaction they're sponsoring you not out of goodwill they don't like they're they're in the business to make money they're not in the business to help you get on the podium so even though there can be um a goodwill aspect in it and we definitely tie that into our sponsorship there is still a business objective where if we're going to sponsor this athlete we expect a certain amount of either results or promotion through social media and ultimately we want to drive sales um, and that's generally what any company wants to do when they're when they're sponsoring an athlete. So understanding who your audience is, how to leverage that audience, how to communicate, how that is important, how it can be tied into a sponsor that you're approaching, I think is is everything. And that all comes down to to marketing. And marketing is a broad term, obviously. Like, oh yeah, I'd say it's I'd say it's more down to like personal branding. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as that would be like the key area of marketing as an athlete. I would focus in at least in the early days. And that comes down to how you conduct yourself online, offline, developing a professional persona, because 
again, you can have the biggest audience in the world. You could have the best results, but if you're a bit of a, like an a-hole, um, people, you're going to be less inclined to be sponsored because, you know, for example, in Jura, we wouldn't want to be associated with someone that's got a negative message, regardless of the audience is big. So there's a million considerations. It's not just your results. It's not just your audience. It's how do you conduct yourself? Who is the audience? You know, where is the majority of your audience located? So for example, we're a Canadian brand. If the majority of your audience is located in Europe, maybe it doesn't make sense to reach out to us. So, um, there's a million things to, 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 you know, factor in. That totally makes sense. And I think that it's just so beautiful to see that like with sport, there's just so many skills that you're learning in the, I have quotations up real world that you're actually gaining so many skills and so many things that can transfer into life out of sport too, that like to even approach you guys as an athlete looking for a sponsorship, there's so much uh, strategy behind that. And there's so many things that you can like, it's basically like applying for a job and like athletes sometimes come to us and are like, Oh, I've never applied for a job. I don't really know what to do. I'm like, yeah, but you've gone after sponsors. You've gone and you've represented yourself as an athlete. You've given your resume as an athlete. It's the same kind of thing. I love that. Oh, it's, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, like, I truly believe if, if you are an athlete as like a kid in your foundational years, like you have every skill set you need for life after totally. that. I, I did not go to business school. I like barely made it through sport management two years. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't excel in the school program. I, I don't know many athletes that do honestly, because like you're, you're kind of sitting at least still individual athletes, sports teams, maybe a yeah. bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, or yeah. And, and on someone else's timeline and program, you, like as yeah. an athlete, you're like, you're kind of very motivated and driven to do what you want to do. Um, so like, but all the skills I learned, like you said, like as an athlete, I had to book my own travel. I had to navigate like a 17 year old traveling Europe, like trying to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, why they're speaking both French and uh, German in Switzerland, like trying to figure these things out for the first time. It's like, mm-hmm. you learn these things just by doing it. And like, by being active in sport, you're, you're introduced to so many unique situations that the average person isn't. And like, I believe school is important, but like the yeah, quotations now in the air for me too, like the real life experiences <laughs> that you gain. Yeah as an athlete are just so so like important and I think like before starting a business too like a lot of the jobs that I did get even like getting my job at Canadian Sport Institute like I wasn't qualified for it I got that job because like of my sport background you know like and like I did a good job like I was smart but like they hired me because like I volunteered for some studies that CSI did I had an athletic background because like generally like they only hired people with a university degree um and i didn't even have a first year of college at that time. So there's so many things that being an athlete can give you leverage for getting jobs too, because I think, well, I know like a lot of people understand the mindset an athlete has, they know you're a hard worker. Like it, it validates you. Like we talked about earlier, if you've been a national team athlete, it, it's not a hard line to draw to know that you're resourceful, you're hardworking, you can figure things out in the end of the day. Like that's the most important thing in a job role of any role is like, can this person figure things out? Yeah, I totally agree. And I also feel like going back to us talking about uh, that community aspect of the business and understanding like creating sponsorships and that, yeah, creating a community. There's so much, even if you come from different sporting backgrounds, if it's an individualized sport, if it's a team sport, you kind of have this overarching bubble that you all are part of this community as being an athlete. And I think, having that as leverage is 
huge as well. You get so many like, I know how to work. Yeah, like you said, I know how to work hard. I know how to uh, show up and I know how to set goals and work with other people and, you know. Yeah, and I think you, you reminded me of something else too is like as an athlete, especially if you're getting, if you're an athlete with a platform and you're high up in competition, you're going to meet people that you normally wouldn't get to meet. This might be CEOs of large companies. Um, this is, you know, high up officials and coaches, et cetera, involved in sport, media, et cetera. And I mean, you should be working as hard as possible to develop relationships with these people that can live on past your sporting career, because in the end of the day, like you can work super hard, but life is a lot about who, you know, and who you're able to get in contact with, um, to give you an opportunity and like, and everyone's reachable. So like, that's not to say you need to get lucky to get in contact. You need to develop the relationship. You need to put yourself in a position to get in front of them. You need to work hard. Like no one gets lucky. They, they work hard. Yeah. Um, so like, I think it's important as an athlete to, this goes back to having a good reputation and conducting yourself professionally. Maybe you don't get the sponsor, but maybe you can get the CEO's email. Maybe you can get that coach's email, et cetera. And, and when you're transitioning out of sport, you reach, re- reach out to these people be like, Hey, remember me? Like, here's what I'm doing now. Are there any opportunities? And more often than not, I've found that these people are very open to helping you in any way they can. For example, a lot of Endure's biggest partnerships right now came from people and other partnerships that I developed as an athlete. You know, for example, CSI, our partnership was because I worked there and I developed a relationship before the business or, you know, some of our sponsorships with Crankworks Mountain Bike Festival, um, a bunch of teams were involved with sponsors, etc. They're all people I used to know. And when I started the business, like, hey, remember me? Here's what I'm doing now. Would you like to talk about how we could partner? And, you know, sometimes you got to be a bit shameless and just reach out and be like, hey, remember me? But um, I think, you know, like, I don't think about I always ask people like to like reflect on their own. If someone reached out to you asking for help, you generally don't think in your head like, oh, why are they asking me? Who is this? Like, this is annoying. You're like, oh, I would love to help. Like, maybe you can't, but I would love to. So a lot of people get caught up in their head and they're like, oh, I shouldn't ask, you know, I shouldn't ask for help because they're going to be annoyed or, and I always say this as like, if you're thinking that, so is everybody else. So no one's actually asking this person for help. So so they're like (laughs) more likely than not, they're actually reachable. Um, I, I can't say how many times I've, I've, said like i give my email out or whatever i so said like i'm available and i know there's a million people or not a million but there's a lot of people that i might speak to at a conference or whatever that would like to and they just don't i can tell they want to and even you know we did the uh, athlete advance and um in uh february where i, I spoke at the, the csi thing and um i said right there it's like any athletes just email me contact me like not many did we had a couple and they're sponsored by us now but, yeah. you know, at a room of 70 athletes, only a few yeah. reached out. It's just like, hey, guys, like, it's so true. you got to take your shot. Totally. Yeah. I, I love the athlete advance and I love that you were able to come talk to us. But it's there's so much you can do to create the space to create those networks and create that community. Like I can be like, hey, Rob, this is this athlete. She's really awesome. She did all these things. But I have to put it on her to kind of like mm-hmm. get that going for herself. Like there's no real gain for me to to have her be sponsored by you guys like there needs to be that kind of grit in going after what you do want and what you do need and then not like sitting in self-pity being like oh well I have no sponsorships I have nothing going on it's like well you need to create that community you need to network yourself you need to put yourself out there because if you don't it's it's not just going to fall in your lap it can like that's luck 
But if you really want to get after something, you got to go for it. You got to go for it and you got to find your, what your unique like positioning is. Like we, like we talked about personal branding and like when you were saying that, it reminded me of like when I was racing, like I had some sponsors and I had a lot of support, but there were some people that I would continually beat every weekend that had way more support because they developed a better brand than I did. Um, and that's going to happen, but it's just cool to see that, like reflecting on it, it's like good for them, you know, like, and there's also people that don't even race in our, in my industry and like in mountain biking, but they have way more support than, so it's not just about racing and results like this, these people build really unique brands and they find ways to position themselves and reach a different audience, et cetera. So like, yeah, working hard and then being like super creative as well, I think is, is really important. Like breaking through the noise. You don't want to just be like a cookie cutter version of the other guy that's sponsored because they already have him or her. So um, I think it's really important to like, again, coming back to personal branding, figuring out like, what is your unique message? And like, don't try to copy people, use people as inspiration um, for sure. But like, you're never going to be better than them at being them. You know what I mean? You can only be better at being you. So don't try to like copy what other people are doing. Oh gosh, that's such a good message. Yeah, you're never going to be better at being somebody else. You can only better yourself. I love that so much. Yeah, that's not, I don't remember who, I'm, I'm paraphrasing or that's, okay. uh, that's not, that's not it's me, but it's, general, uh, it's a really good quote. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, yeah. It's, it's such a good concept. It's, you can only be yourself and you can't like try and force other people to change. You can just like work on changing yourself and figuring out what makes you you, what you're passionate about, and then using that as leverage to like go after and like create that story, create that narrative. Like, how do you want to present yourself in the world? How can you market that? Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's so important. And people will people love authenticity. I think we're in a oh, yeah. we're now in an age where almost everyone is growing up with social media and a phone. Um, so the, the, the days of influencer marketing are getting thin because people are sniffing the BS. They're like, this isn't real. So people really want real these days. Yeah. So, um, building your own person and being authentically you, cause people have a really, really keen sense of who's faking it these days. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can only, if I don't like fake it till you make it, cause no. it's like, it's a, uh, you just gotta be, be real. That's fair. I definitely, uh, identify a bit with the concept of faking it till you make it like I definitely think like mm, I'm trying to think of an example but basically like if you want to get into surfing and you're super not good at it at the beginning because it is really freaking hard you kind of have to fake being in that community and be like oh try and talk to the locals and know oh what kind of surf break is that and like trying to understand the winds like you kind of have to have a, a fake sense of confidence almost knowing that you will get it and knowing that you're putting it out there that you will get it and not being super oh I'm never going to be good at surfing like you kind of got to have a bit of fake confidence <laughs> Does that yeah no I I totally agree I just think there's like there needs to be a new term because like I think what you're saying and I agree with is like you have to be somewhat shameless and super confident because you have to like immerse yourself in there and you're not going to do that if you're afraid or like not faking it quote unquote um but I think where it gets where I don't like it is like as you do develop as like 
perhaps the people that fake it, but also have a huge ego. So they never actually take a step back to be like, oh, maybe I could learn from this person or maybe I'm wrong or maybe there's another way to do this. So they end up like going down a path of really like being really stubborn and being really closed minded. So they never actually grow. Um, I just see people that are like that where they're, you know, they'll, for example, they'll start a business or they'll start a sport and they'll adopt the fake it to make it mindset. And they'll put off a real bad vibe because everyone knows they're just getting started. Like you don't really need to be like, I'm the best. I've got the best idea. I know mm-hmm. everything. Like, don't tell me how I should ride my bike or don't tell me I should do my business. Cause mm-hmm. like I'm my brand's amazing. Like that's where I think like you can get carried away with the fake it till you make it stuff. Totally. Cause like it's this false sense of confidence backed by like this incredible ego. And then you just find yourself like alone and everyone hating you after a while. So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you have to have that, that fake it mentality in the early mm-hmm. days, but I think you got to know when to check it. Yeah, check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the ego is such an interesting thing to kind of play with, hey? Like, there's definitely got to be that sense of ego because at the end of the day, you are you and you only have you to go go home to and to go to bed at night. You're in yourself. Um, And there needs to be parts of your ego that come out because that's how you can kind of network and put yourself out there and stuff. But there's so much of the ego that I think needs to be kind of not squashed, but definitely checked on and, and revisited a lot. Yeah. I think ego is super important for athletes and entrepreneurs, like, because you need that. I'm going to like succeed at all costs. Like you, you need a bit of that. I'm better than you mentality because like, that's what drives you to win. And like, like, you know, if you're an athlete, your goal is to win. If you're in business, your goal is to win, you know, like unless you're in nonprofits, et cetera. Like I'm talking about like the majority. Um, but uh, I think where the ego gets messy is when it stops you from seeing the bigger picture or when it stops you from taking advice or it drives you to make bad decisions thinking you know everything. So like, I think it's like having an ego and wisdom is like success. You know, it's like you need like, you need enough punches in the face to realize that like it hurts. <laughs> and then you, you start to learn over time. And I, that's like a big thing. Like I definitely had a huge ego when I started and and still probably do but like I've learned along the way that like I don't know everything and actually in most cases I'm usually wrong um so like I need to be confident and charged on my own path but I also need to be super open to listening to people's advice and that doesn't mean taking their advice but listening to it digesting it thinking about it critically so I think like having an ego but knowing like you said when to check it and understand that there are people that also know what they're talking about is like if you can figure out a way to combine both of those it's pretty magical oh my gosh totally rob yeah there's this concept of like if you think you know everything you know nothing and to think you know nothing you can actually open up your eyes and your ego and your wisdom to knowing a few things like if you live your life thinking you know nothing i think it opens the doors immensely to the world of possibility oh yeah i love it it's like that yeah, a quote I live by is like, you know, the older I get and the more that I do, the more I realize I don't know anything. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's like true. it's it is true. And like obviously we know things, but there's just so much you don't know, and then even the things you do know can change. It's like it's mainly a quote saying like I'm always open to a new way, and I'm always open to learning something on how to be better. It's like beyond that, like the growth mindset. You know, it's it's so important. Mm-hmm. I wrote down a word earlier during. Um, 
you quoted yourself calling yourself a rambler. So I'm going to also use that word <laughs> on one of <laughs> your rambles. <laughs> I, I typed out the word transparency and I think I wanted to kind of dive a little bit into it just in relation to like, you are a CEO of a business. You, Endure is killing it. I think you guys are doing such great things. And I think your ability to be so transparent, it kind of goes along the lines of the authenticity. But even you just like talking and dropping down your ego and talking like, I used to I used to have a huge ego and like I still do, but I'm working on it. Like it's so mm -hmm. transparent. And I think that authenticity piece of people are understanding people are being fake online. Like the world isn't perfect. So what kind of, what can you talk about in your relationship to being transparent in the business, in marketing world, in being an athlete and being a person? Like, where do you kind of fall with that? I think it's like, I've always been quite open, like, you know, with people asking my opinion and stuff, but I think a big part of it is like being free. And what I mean by that is like, especially in business, I can say what I want because, you know, within reason, um, I'm not beholden to like an investor or someone like hanging over my head um, because like, that's not the life that I want. Like, like I talked about earlier, like, I think if you're being authentic in your core, then you're going to be transparent because like you have nothing to hide or you don't have anyone to impress or you're not like, I'm just not trying to impress anybody. Like, I don't care. Like I obviously care what people think. Like I have an ego. Like I mm. like when someone likes my Instagram photo, like I don't, <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say that like people that are not that said it, they don't like they're lying. So mm. um, everyone has an ego and everyone likes the social validation. Like it's, I think people need to realize that like I talked about earlier is like, we're living in a world where people want real and like, and I also understand and I've realized that like, if you're going to accept that people like you, you have to accept that people are not going to like you because I also believe in balance totally. and that the universe is like, I believe in, you know, the yin and yang is like, if something good's going to happen, something bad is going to happen too. It's it, like, it always, it just happens. So like when something yeah. say I'm having a really bad week, I kind of enjoy it one because I learn a lot from when bad things happen, but two, likely some good things are going to happen. So like mm -hmm. when we're killing it, you know, alternatively, it's like, oh, shit, it's like some stuff's coming down the pipe and we're going to get hit. Mm. But um, it's just understanding that, like, another thing like I try, I, like I learned and I try to, like, relay to people I talk to and my team here is that, like, when things are going really well, we try not to get too excited. And when things are going really bad, we try not to get too upset because, you know, if you think you're a genius when you're killing it all the time, then you have to think you're an idiot when you're not. And that's not fun. No. So like we try to stay in the middle and realize that like we're doing what we do and there's going to be ups and downs and like we just need to kind of ride those waves. Totally. I wish I could describe what my hands are doing right now, but you described it perfectly with the waves. Like there's the highway. I did a wave too. Nice. Okay. Yeah. My hands are super high up in the air now. So there's like the, the highs and then I'm coming down now. Then now there's the lows. And yeah. I think there's just that extreme of like rapid storm, ocean, just like constant boom, boom, boom. But then there's also like that sea level where like that's actually quite in the middle and there's that mm -hmm. balance. I think it's beautiful to like tap into the highs and the super lows because that's kind of fun to play with. It feels good to be super happy and then being sad and stuff. I think I'm just associating it with like happiness and being sad, but you know, like business is booming. That's super awesome, but business isn't good. That's room to grow. There's a uh, possibility of like reflecting and like, okay, what should we do from here? Kind of thing. 
but I like that common common ground you guys try and stay at the mellow level-headed kind of spot yeah I've always been a fan of like relishing in the adversity like I think that's where like the the concept of endure and perseverance comes from like I personally perform better and I'm more motivated from things going poorly or people like not supporting or like you know if you got haters or whatever like I I get more energy from the haters than I do from like the people patting me on the back um and everyone has different motivators some people might get motivation from the pats on the back and that's great so you know like I've even when I was an athlete like I would get an injury that takes me to competition for a couple of months but I would weirdly like it because I, I would in my mind I would literally tell myself this it's like okay this now gives me an opportunity to work on this this and this that I didn't have time to and that might be like other parts of my my craft that I can't now work on because of you know I blow my shoulder out or whatever or I can take this opportunity to you know I can't train as hard so I need to lose five pounds now's a good time or whatever you know so like I would always take the bad and then use it as an opportunity to like springboard um, like five or ten other things that need to get better and so when I come back from the in in injury I'm actually like not just where I was I'm much better and mm. so same thing with business when things are going bad so for example COVID happened it took like a lot of businesses down um, it impacted our business but we're a small resilient team we're like what are we gonna do so we launched a podcast we developed some new products we overhauled our ambassador program we overhauled our office we we took the opportunity to work on a million other things that we didn't have time to do because we were so busy with the you know we call in the business stuff mm -hmm. um so we took the opportunity to and we were in a fortunate position to have been doing well so like the you know the the short-term um impact of loss of revenues etc wasn't as drastic as say if we owned a restaurant or whatever yeah but we did take, you know, we still did have an impact of well over 50% of, of revenue loss, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and the, the world economy, et cetera. So we, but we continue to be like, hey, this is the card we're dealt or the cards we're dealt. So like, let's use this to springboard a bunch of these ideas we didn't have time to do. So I think it's like, yeah, the ability to, to take a bad opportunity and learn from it. And that, like, I'm dropping a lot of like quotes, but like another one that I live <laughs> by is that like, we've never, like, I've never really learned a good lesson by winning. You know, yeah, like that's kind of the result of the of the mm -hmm. lessons learned through mm -hmm. failing. So it, it's it's um, when something bad happens, I try to frame it of like, okay, I've learned something important, and like, man, this better not happen again. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of something I try to try to live by, and I think it's super important to frame when things are going bad that in your mind, because it'll at least give you a bit a bit of hope. And then strategizing to get so you're not you're never there again. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I, and I say that with my, my staff and like when we're onboarding new people, I say like, look, I'm never going to get mad at you for making a mistake. I will get very mad if you make it again, mm -hmm. because like, that's not okay. Like we make mistakes, we learn, mm -hmm. we put in new processes, but if we make the mistake again, we failed to fix the problem. Yeah, true that. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to start wrapping her up here, Rob. If you had one piece of advice for someone looking at getting into the business entrepreneurial world, what would it be? I would say my, like, cause like there's a million things, but like the idea of starting, it would be being authentic. I think like the, the quickest way to fail at starting a business is to do something that you think will make money or that you think other people will want. Generally speaking, if you, if you're starting a business with the intent of making a lot of money and living your own lifestyle and like living the life you see on maybe social media, people hashtagging entrepreneur or putting it in their Instagram bio, like you're doomed to fail, like guaranteed. You're not going to make it because 
like it's not fun for like four years <laughs> it's not been like you're like and you're never making you know like a ton of money off the start like you're investing all of your money into it so you're living you're, ba- you're effectively poor for a long time and like and even when you start you know in your words and there's killing it but like you reinvest everything to grow so like i'd say the people like you have to have thick skin you have to have that that drive it's got to be what you want to do like i talked about earlier like i i there was no other way for me it was like it was either somehow get back into another sport um, which wasn't an opportunity for me or or start a business and like go all in on the sport of business. So I'd say like, if you want to start a business, it's got to be obviously a good market opportunity. Ask a lot of questions, be super open and shameless about asking for help and just make sure it's authentic of something you want to do. And if you're interested in business, but don't know how to get started, I'd recommend reaching out to people like myself or other business people that you admire and see if there's internship opportunities or, or mentor opportunities so you can learn. I mean, like, if you're not ready to start a business, why not get little snippets of uh, of experience working for other people's businesses? There's nothing wrong with that. You can still be an entrepreneur inside of a company. You know, when I'm hiring an engineer, I look for people that have entrepreneurial tendencies because I don't micromanage. I let people have a lot of autonomy because like you're in charge of this, you're in charge of this, like go. I hire people that can think for themselves, et cetera. So um, I'd say be authentic and don't rush, ask a lot of questions. Mm. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. You gave us some awesome wisdom, and I'm really excited to to have people listening to this one. I think it it really brings um, like life out of sport. There is such thing, everybody, listeners. There is a life outside of sport, <laughs> and I think you have a really inspirational story. And I really appreciate you sharing stuff with me today. My pleasure. It's been awesome chatting. Um, It was a fun time. And yeah, closing remarks is you're right. There is life after sport. And honestly, I thought it would never be the same, but it's better um, Mm. for me personally, because I I still feel competitive every day. Um, Mm. I'm still involved with the same group of friends. Um, I'm still competing, um, et cetera. So yeah, there's, there's definitely life after sport and it can honestly be even better because it can be a new chapter of your life that, you know, provides you more maybe financial stability or whatever it may be um, that you weren't having before. So yeah, there's definitely life. And if you work hard and persevere, I think like it only can get better. I love that. And thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast and jumping on. And thank you listeners to listening to today's episode of the Podium Cast. Have a great day, everybody. And thanks again, Rob. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Podium Cast. If you have any feedback or topics you'd like covered, send us an email at athlete at csipacific.ca. Stay tuned for our next episode and have a fabulous day.